numbers. If you're over 20, you can keep them because I can't read your writing anyway. Okay. Um, we're going to start in Psalm 23, and uh, we're going to look at Roman numeral 1. We're going to talk about security tonight. Uh, favorite security psalm. And then Roman numeral 2, the security person. And Roman numeral 3, the path. You say, well, who'd you steal that outline from? This is an original with me. I get full credit for this, okay? I thought of those words all by myself, okay? Roman number one, Psalm. Roman number two, person. And Roman number three, the path. Psalm 23. You count the number of references to the Lord as I read it. And you count the number of personal pronouns as I read it. And most of you have probably most of this memorized, so you can just, if you haven't got there, just say it right along with me if you want, silently, of course. And I'll read the 23rd Psalm, and we'll get started tonight. The Lord is my shepherd, David says, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And anybody that doesn't believe in eternal security ought to just memorize verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the security we can have in Christ. Thank you for the confidence that you give us as we look to your word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to instruct us. We do thank you, Lord, for the folks that made it out tonight. We pray for those that would like to be here but are incapacitated by health or incapacitated by some other reason, Lord, but they want to be in church, but they just couldn't make it. Lord, bless their night as they spend time in private prayer and personal study. And Lord, uh, help the rest of us to be glad that we were able to to meet here despite the slippery roads and the icy conditions. Help us, Lord, to have a good evening looking into your word and what you'd have for us tonight. Thank you again for the evening in your name. Amen. All right, well, let me get started, and then we'll go over this psalm very quickly in just a minute. But uh, <coughs> our middle daughter, Renee, who's now in her early 40s, um, because of her being placed in foster care, she, when she was uh, two, she got herself a raggedy little white blanket. And that was her security blanket. I mean, you could not get that thing away from her for anything. She carried it everywhere. I think Lynn had a hard time getting it out of her heart, getting it out of her arm so she could wash it. I mean, that security blanket was her best, best, best friend for a couple of years. And then finally, I don't know how old she was when she finally got it replaced by something else. But uh, evidently, there was something about her private little crisis at age two that caused her to grab onto that security blanket like nobody's business. Well, that's a security blanket for little kids. I don't know. Uh, our church let out, I, I hate to even say this, but we let out early enough so some people could see the end of the Super Bowl. We had a Sunday evening service, but the thing I like about the Super Bowl are some of the commercials. I don't like all the commercials, but every once in a while there's a real good commercial on there. And they had a commercial on there about a, it was a car commercial, and it was about uh, a little baby that uh, 
that lost her binky, her little, her little plug, her little pacifier. And uh, so the commercial starts, and this young couple is at the airport, and the baby starts crying, and uh, the mother says, do you have her binky? And he says, oh, no, he forgot the binky. So he jumps in his car. It was a car commercial. I think it might have been a Kia. I'm not sure. But it was some car. He gets in his car, and he goes over the river and through the woods, and he's chased by cops, and he goes through a culvert. It's all designed to get you to take an interest in this car. And after this mad dash all the way back home from the airport, he finds the binky. He grabs it, and then he dashes back to the airport. And uh, he gets there, and his wife has still got the baby in her in her arms and the baby's kind of scowling at him and, and uh, he takes the binky and he and he plugs it in her mouth his mouth whatever the, I don't know whether the baby was a boy or a girl <laughs> but as soon as he plugs the binky in the baby starts screaming and he says what and the mother says she wanted the green one he'd he'd, he'd evidently brought the wrong the wrong binky and she didn't have her security, so she felt just miserable, and she was going to let her dad know it, that he brought the wrong color, brought the, brought the wrong colored binky. But uh, I don't know what your security blanket is. And, you know, some people find security in their property. Um, you own a farm or you own a business, and that's yours. You paid for it, you worked for it, it's yours. And that becomes your security blanket. Some feel very secure because they have a good job. Some feel very secure because they have a lot of friends. And uh, security comes sometimes from our family. We're secure because all our family is around us. Some people are very secure because they have a, a large bank account. Uh, some people are secure when they have their cell phone. I wonder how many people end up in the funny farm, in the funny house. I wonder how many people go crazy when they lose their cell phone. You know, to me, it's, it's amazing the attachment and the security characteristic that's there for people who have a cell phone and, and the people who don't. But some people, that's a very, very important item. And if they lose it, they, they're about ready to go bananas. If you don't believe me, just try taking a cell phone away from a teenager and see what happens. That becomes a very strong element of security. Now, security is probably, uh, there's probably not much of it in Syria and Turkey as we speak. Um, this past month, they've probably lost all confidence in government and all confidence in rescue and all confidence in a lot of things. And, and you and I need to ask ourselves as we start tonight, what, what am I counting on for my security? My mate, my children, my farm, my finances? What, what am I counting on for my security? Well, I tried to find the words to the song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus, I couldn't. But if you ever find it, you can read that. That's a good good song to get us started. I'm not going to sing it. But let me start with under Roman numeral one, uh, because I think Psalm 23 is a favorite to many people. It's a security kind of a psalm. It makes us feel that God is close by. It's often read at funerals, and uh, I've even been to a wedding where it was read at a wedding. And it's just a powerful song. Uh, some theologians have produced over 400 sermons on the 23rd Psalm. I know probably three sermons, but uh, it's popular. But let's start with a definition, letter A, a definition of security. Now, I've given you five places there. You can write in some of these words. You may not get all of them, but let me read some definitions from your common dictionary. 
One definition of security is when you're free from fear, from worry, and from loss. You're, you're, you're free of that. You're secure. You're not worried about stuff like that. A second definition might be protection, safety, or peace of mind. We read in Isaiah 26.3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Security is when you have peace of mind, protection, and safety. Uh, maybe number three, you could put assurance. Security means that you have assurance. Songwriter Fanny Crosby, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. She felt secure in Christ. There's certainty involved. I am certain. Number four, put the word confidence. How confident are you in the Lord and his working in your life and helping you along the way? Uh, number five, I found kind of interesting, but one of the definitions in my Webster's Dictionary for security was a deposit. You know, you put a security down, you put down a, uh, you put down a safety deposit. And that means that a down payment has been made and you're going to come back and get the goods. Now, in a spiritual sense, who's our down payment? What down payment did we get? The Holy Spirit of God. He's our down payment. And that, that way we, we, the security has been paid. Okay. Uh, it's a pledge. Security is a pledge. It's a promise to pay. Okay, you have a, like earnest money. You're putting money down. You're promising to pay the rest. Security. You've heard bankers having secured loans and unsecured loans. Now, I've been told, I don't know this, I'm not a banker, but I've been told that banks are allowed to have a certain number of unsecured loans. In other words, there's no collateral to back it up, just the fellow's reputation or the lady's reputation. But for the most part, most of their loans are secured in other words, there's collateral backing up those loans. So that's our definition for security. Let's look at the declaration here in Psalm 23, the declaration of security. And let's take a, take a notice here of how secure David felt. Now, there's 15 references to the Lord in this psalm. Uh, when I say references, I don't mean just the word Lord. I mean, when it's uh, verse 2, he, that would be a reference to the Lord. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me. There's another reference to the Lord. There's 15 of them in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3, another reference. The Lord restores my soul. The Lord leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, the Lord's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou, that's a reference to the Lord, thou art with me, thy rod, reference to the Lord, thy staff, reference to the Lord, they comfort me. Thou, verse 5, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Lord, you anoint my head with oil, so my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. The psalm starts with the Lord and ends with the Lord, and there are 15 plus references to the Lord. That's why David was secure in the Lord most of his life. There's also 17 personal pronouns. That's the I's, the me's, and the my's. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares the table before me. Don't you get tired of people who always use personal pronouns? You know, I learned a long time ago in a speech class or college class or something, if you want to know how somebody does on a paper, just notice all the personal pronouns. If he, if he overloads with personal pronouns, there's too much selfishness in that, in that presentation. So the, so the teacher will take his red pen and circle all the personal pronouns and say, here, rewrite it. Get rid of the personal pronoun. Well, in this case, it's a good thing because David is declaring that he is secure in the Lord. And all these personal pronouns indicate, at least to me, that he has a very personal relationship with the Lord because of all these pronouns. Uh, verse 5, thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Fifteen times he refers to the Lord in Psalm 23. What a declaration of God's goodness. Seventeen times he uses personal pronouns. Well, let's look at a security person. Let's go to Psalm 121. Put your Bibles in drive there and drive over to Psalm 121. I am using, as I age, I am using Psalm 121 more and more in my life as a passage for people to meditate upon when they think they're in big trouble or when they've suffered a big loss. Psalm 121 is certainly a security passage. It's all about the Lord. The first two verses, letter A, our Lord offers us unmatched power. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Did you ever pray and say, Lord, my problems are so big, I don't think you understand. The Lord says, yeah, right. <laughs> I made the heavens and I made the earth. And you're, you're thinking I can't handle your problems? And look, the maker, the creator, God, the creator father, the one who made the universe, is the one who loves to help us. You know, there's a couple things we know for sure from the Psalms. One is that he hears us. And secondly, he wants to help us. And he wants to restore our hope. There's three points for you if you want three points. But he is so determined if we would just trust in his power to help us. My help comes from the Lord. Not just any Lord. Not just a small L Lord, but the Lord who made heaven and earth. Look at verses 3 and 4. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He doesn't sleep on the job. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Our Lord, letter B, offers us unending protection. He offers us unending protection. Unmatched power and unending protection. He promises to take care of us because he doesn't sleep on the job. He's watching over us every minute of every single day, 365 days a year. I don't know about you, but as I, when I was a little kid, I loved it when my parents looked at me. I just, I just liked their attention. And, and I, oftentimes I visualize God in heaven just watching me do some good stuff. And maybe even when I do some dumb stuff, when I do some dumb stuff, he probably just shakes his head. But when I do good things and when I try to be helpful, when I try to when I try to win somebody to the Lord or when I'm singing praises in church, he's watching and uh, he's looking over that and he sees that. 
and he offers divine protection. In verses 5 and 6, he offers unchanging promises. The Lord is thy keeper. He's the keeper of our soul. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. He has unchanging promises. Verse number uh, 6, I believe, is a reference to the false gods, the false gods of the sun and the false gods of the moon. There were many false gods in his day, and there's many false gods today. And the Lord says, I'm going to protect you from all those things. I promise you that I will keep you safe, and I will keep you from spiritual harm. And so he has... He offers unchanging promises. And then in verses 7 and 8, the Lord offers us unchecked preservation. Unchecked preservation. Look at verse 7. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. You know, as a preacher, we get a lot of questions about the various translations that are out there. I always tell people, well, instead of arguing about the one that you don't have, why don't you just read the one you have? (laughs) I mean, divine, the Lord preserved his word pure and right for us, and there's no reason for me to change to a different translation. I mean, I use them sometimes to study, and I take a peek at what they might say, but I really believe he has preserved his word powerful for us in this day and age, and there's no need for a thousand translations. The only reason people are making all those translations is so they can make more money for the publishing companies. That's my little off-the-side sermonette there, okay? But uh, I, I really believe that he preserves us. Verse 8, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth. How long? Even forevermore. He preserves our heart. He preserves our soul. He's a preserving God. He's a powerful God, letter A. He's a protecting God, letter B. He's, he offers unchanging promises, and he's, he offers unchecked preservation. Our personal relationship with his with our Father and with His Son, Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit, the the Lord provides all the security we ever need through these. And there's no reason for you and I to feel unsecure. There's no, no reason for you and I to feel intimidated because we don't have the security the Lord wants to give us. I just love Psalm 121. It's just a, a favorite psalm to remind me of who it is I love and who it is that loves me. And then the path. Well, there's probably different paths. You might have a different three points that you would use. You know, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says he shall direct our path. But I think there's three things that are essential, at least in my life, to get the security down pat. And the first one starts by knowing him. So the word is starts, letter A. It starts by knowing him. You ever, you ever have anybody ask you, what is eternal security? I mean, what, what is that? Is it just polished streets of gold in heaven? What is eternal security? Well, John 17 and verse 3 tells us. Let me start in verse 1, John 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, now this is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. So Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son that thy son may also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should, give, he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And then in verse number three, he says, and this is life eternal. What is life eternal? What is eternal life? Well, keep reading. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. 
and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So security starts with knowing him, with trusting him. Eternal life starts with receiving him, John 1.12. But as many as received him. You gotta, you gotta start there. The born again principle is not heretical, as some of our opposing pastors say. You must be born again. That's what the Bible says. You must be born again. And if you're not born again, then you, you don't, you'll never get to know him. You know, the Bible before I was saved was like a phone book. How many of you read the phone book for fun? Kind of dull, isn't it? Of course, nowadays people don't have phone books anymore. They all got Google. <laughs> but uh, reading the phone book is very, very boring. Well, before you're saved, reading the Bible is just as boring. And then when you get saved, wow, watch out. Because the Holy Spirit's going to move in, and this book is going to become alive. And it'll change your life. It's the only book in the world where it can take one verse, John 3.16, and blow a man out of the gutters in downtown Detroit who's a, who's a, who's a down-and-out drunk, and with one verse can lift him out of the gutter, get him on its feet, and set him straight, and save his wretched soul, and turn his whole life around. No other book can do that. And you got to know Jesus. It starts with knowing him. Secondly, it's strengthened. It's strengthened by petitioning him. We read in James chapter 4 and verse 3 that we have not because we ask not. Uh, James, let me get there so I can read the whole verse instead of just part of it. Are you still awake, class? Say amen. Okay, still awake. Okay, good. James chapter 4, and uh, I love James. Phenomenal epistle. Very, very helpful, very practical epistle. It says, you ask not and you receive not because you ask amiss. You miss the mark when you're praying. You need to learn to pray right. Then you may consume it upon your lust. Verse 4, you adulterers and adulteresses know you not. Uh, let's see, I've gone too far here. Back up to verse number 2. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war. There it is, the end of verse 2. You have not because you ask not. We've got to be a praying people. Prayer is critical. It's a lifeline to our survival as believers it's a lifeline to you and I having security. People who have a life full of prayer are people that have a whole bunch of security. And people who are prayerless, they miss that. And it's not God's fault. It's their fault. You have not because you ask not. Uh, you know, I used to just pray a few minutes every day, and I thought I could get by on that. The older I get, the more I, the more I realize that i got to pray over everything. Lord, what clothes do I wear? Lord, what route do I take to Sioux Falls? Lord, what do I say to this person at the post office? What do I say to that young lady at Walmart? What do I say to the clerk at Starbucks? You know, which track do I leave the waitress at the restaurant? Pray over everything. And when you pray over everything, your security is strengthened. So it starts by knowing him. It's strengthened by praying or petitioning him. And then it's secure by praise, it's secured by praising him. It's secured by praising him. Go to the very last psalm, the 150th psalm. Psalm 150. Count the praises. Now, praise, in, in some cases, I won't say every case, but in most cases, you can, you can substitute the word praise for thanksgiving. 
And when you sing and praise the Lord, you're really showing gratitude towards him and his goodness. So think about that. Praise ye the Lord, it says in verse 1. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Verse 4, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And then it ends with praise ye the Lord. Thirteen times the importance of praising the Lord. And what's interesting is that it's the last and final of the Psalms. It's 105. So how do we, how do we wrap up this message? How do we wrap up this thought of security? We just praise the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, you know, I got saved out of a different kind of a church at age, I was saved at age 30. And the kind of church I was in, the singing was really pretty poor, <laughs> okay? I mean, it was three ladies and a couple kids, and, and the organ drowned out their music, so I never did hear what they had to say. And it just, nobody seemed excited about the singing at all. And then I got saved and started going to a Baptist church. And there was about this many people in that church that I was saved in. And boy, those people, when they opened up the hymn book and sang, they sang with heart. And they sang with appreciation for God and what he had done in their life. And they sang praises. And it was just uplifting to me. I think music was one of those things that drew me to a fundamental Baptist church more than anything. I mean, I love the word, don't get me wrong. And I love good doctrine, don't get me wrong. But music is essential. You know, think about it. When your little kids are at home and, they, and they're going around the house and they're singing and clapping and dancing, they're happy and you're happy. You're happy that they're happy and they're happy that you're happy. <laughs> and everybody's happy. Why? Because they're singing. They don't care in the world. And we need to sing more with heart. We need to sing more with compassion for others. We need to sing more just because God is good and we need to praise him. So there you go. If you want to write something under review there, just put study, supplicate, and sing. Study the Word of God, get to know Him. Supplicate means <laughs> do a lot of praying and then do a lot of singing. Praise the Lord for He's good. We were taught a song when I was newly saved. I praise Him for the sunshine. I praise Him for the rain. I praise Him for the precious blood that cleanses every stain. I praise Him for His mercy. I praise Him for His grace. I praise him for that happy day when I will see his face. And that is so, so true.